As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles, where we've been all Advent, Isaiah 9. We'll also look this morning to Luke 2, uh, Gospel of Luke and that great story of Christ's birth. It looks like our nation's capital is going to have a white Christmas. Wow, uh, amazing storm that has come through uh, the mid-Atlantic states. Uh, I know some of you have come through that. Uh, how many of you ha- here have had the joy of having a white Christmas? Wow, there's a ton of y'all. For all those who don't have their hand up, nanny, nanny, nanny. You know, I mean, there is something amazingly special about a white Christmas. I don't know what it is, but uh, I love them. It's been a long time, so... But apparently there's something else coming out of uh, Washington other than snow. Man, can I go in a million different directions right now. Well, it's this new health care reform and and, uh, legislation. I looked this morning, kind of getting the latest update, and they said that they're hopeful that Congress is going to have a a bill ready to sign on Christmas Eve for President Obama to sign for health care reform. Wow, that was an amazing reaction. Again, I'm going to leave that one there and kind of move forward. But what great promises uh, supposedly come with this health care that universally that every single one of us should be given Uh, should have the inalienable right, apparently, as Americans to health care. What amazing rhetoric has come along uh, since we've been hearing about this. And some of the questions that I'm sure all of us as citizens are asking is, who who will this really benefit? I mean, who is this for? And, And who's paying for this? And Maybe more than anything, well, what's the real cost? Uh, interestingly, uh, uh, our president says that not one penny, not one penny is going to go toward uh, our deficit. Well, not one new penny. Wow. How can that happen? Um, who is going to be blessed by this? Uh, who is going to pay for this? So who is going to initiate this? All these questions of who. Because there's a proclamation coming this Christmas out of Washington that a new health care reform is on its way. I bet you many of you are like me. Oh, we'll just wait and see. I bet many of you are like me, maybe a bit skeptical. Is this really going to work? You want to talk about skeptical? Let's talk about the prophet Isaiah, okay? I mean, the prophet Isaiah lived 700 years before uh, Jesus' birth, And he's going to proclaim some pretty amazing things about this Jesus. He's going to basically say this is a whole lot bigger than just health reform. Because unto us, God's people, a child is going to be born. And unto us, God's family, a son is going to be given. And by the way, here are some of the names that you are going to give to this child, this son, this God in the flesh named Jesus. And we've been looking at those names. One of them is, you can give them the name Wonderful Counselor. Because unlike those in Washington who are seeking the best advice of how to do this and how to do this and seeking others, and this, I just saw someone looking at me like, 
Washington seeking advice. Well, maybe it's part of my, you know, build up here. So, um, but Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He doesn't need to go to special interest groups. He doesn't need to go to the experts to find out how to manage the world. He built it. He sustains it. He's God of gods and Lord of lords and King of kings. This wonderful counselor named Jesus. Amazing title given to this baby, this child, this son. Not only that, mighty God. That little baby in the straw. That little baby in Bethlehem. He is going to be called and has been called Mighty God. God with us. Emmanuel. All of the deity, all of the attributes of deity are are in human form, amazingly. And we have God and man together in one, uh, one being. Jesus. Two persons in one. Wow. Mighty God. Do you know that Jesus, maker of heaven and earth, you know that Jesus, sustainer right now of the cosmos, right now, the world doesn't fall apart because Jesus is mighty God. This mighty God is Savior of the world. Not only is He going to be wonderful counselor and mighty God, He is going to be everlasting Father. I mean, He is going to be the one who was and is and always will be. He is the Father in a sense where He brings us the kingdom. And now we have the privilege of being entered into His kingdom. He's Father in the sense that He represents us to the Holy Father. His Father as perfect in His sight. Because we're robed in His righteousness. We've been cleansed with His blood. He is Father as a sense as He's the head of the church. Is He your Savior? Can you call Him these things? And now today we come to another amazing title. The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. How is Jesus the Prince of Peace? Because there, was his, there is historic legislation in front of Congress. But this is a historic declaration. You see... Christmas is all about the reality of the declaration. And and when the angels came, and this was so big and so important and so monumental that heaven could no longer be silent, that angels had to proclaim the good news of great joy, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Who all? It's like we have to ask about this insurance. Well, who's this peace for? Who does it include? Who's responsible to procure it? What will it cost? Or what has it cost? And how will it affect me? And maybe for the cynics like me in this room, we have to ask the question, did it work? Because when we say, I heard the bells on Christmas Eve, there are many who say, it doesn't seem to work because I'm absent of peace right now. The world seems to be absent of peace right now. What in the world did this Prince of Peace offer? That's what we're going to look today. And it's amazing what Christ has done for us. So let's look to God's holy and errant word. Um, Isaiah 9. We had the Smiths read for us uh, Isaiah 9. We read it together. We're going to just briefly look at that. And then go to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Mindful if we're in the Old Testament and the prophet Isaiah, or in the New Testament through the Gospel writer of Luke, Both of them, all their own gifts and abilities, wrote this. But God breathed His being into them. It's this inspired word. It will never lead us astray and without error. Praise be to our great God. Isaiah 9, verse 6. 
For to us, a child is born. For to us, a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's turn to Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Familiar story at Christmas time. The birth of Christ. We'll look at verses 8 through 15. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were fear, filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom He is well pleased. Let us pray. Father, we ask that Your Spirit would come and fill this room so that we can sense, so that we can taste, so that we can know, so that we can experience Your peace. Father, apart from You, there is no peace. Apart from You, there's only despair. So God, I know what is true of this preacher is true of everyone in this room, that We don't need to hear my words. We need to hear your words. And so would you come and would you do that which only you could do to use a broken vessel to proclaim biblical truth. God, open up our ears to hear again this amazing story of the Prince of Peace. Father, we ask that your spirit would shine in our minds and so that we can understand we're dull and we... We have a tendency to forget, so Spirit, come and illumine our minds so that we can understand who this Prince of Peace is and what He has done. Father, we ask that each one of our hearts, those believing hearts and those unbelieving hearts, that, that God, that You would touch them with the good news that produces great joy, that Jesus is real and that He's here and that He's gracious and loving. And Father, if we just hear this message and we spend this time with You and we walk out of here and we aren't changed, it's all been in vain. So God, would You not only open our ears and shine into our minds and soften our hearts, but would You empower our feet to go and tell on a mountain or on a beach or in our neighborhood the good news that the Prince of Peace has come. We pray that you and you alone receive glory. The things that I say this morning that are wrong or that are my opinion, that they'd fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are true, use those things to make us more like Jesus and use those things to glorify your holy triune name. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our president from the beginning is saying that health care is something that all of us should be able to enjoy participate in. It is for everyone. There's been an amazing promise of this uh, shortly coming out of Washington, maybe a proclamation. 
Well, as we look at the Prince of Peace, we look at the promises of Isaiah, we got to realize that, talk about promises. Holy cow. I would imagine in your lifetime, you're not using in your typical vocabulary things like the Prince of Peace. What does the Prince of Peace really mean? And again, what did it mean more importantly, probably to the original hearers? So we can hear it through their ears, so really understand the meaning of this and the weight of this. Because in the the Israelite culture and heritage, the word shalom, the word peace, was how they greeted one another. It's how they departed when they said goodbye to one another. They continually wished upon the family, the culture, peace. May the peace of God be with you. And when they talked about peace, they weren't just talking about the absence of conflict, the absence of war. The word shalom is a very rich word. It's very, very robust that probably our English word peace doesn't do justice to. But when someone was saying, may the peace of God be with you, they were basically saying, may God come into your life in a way that it provides for you spiritual health. May it come in a way that provides for you Uh, emotional health. May it come and provide for you personal health. It even has has a sense of economic health and well-being. And not in the health, wealth, and prosperity that some of our churches see. But this shalom, this peace, was a very robust... It's basically heaven on earth. It was basically living life that you realize that the enmity between you and God has been removed. It's basically saying that full and perfect happiness may be yours. Wow. How is it with you? Calm and blessed safety may be yours. And so here's the billing for this Prince of Peace. Are you ready for this? There's one who's going to come who is going to give you full and perfect happiness. Wow. What a promise. There's one who's going to come that's going to give you perfect peace and calm. Wow. That is the promise of the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom. No wonder the angels sang. No wonder the angels sang that 700 years after Isaiah said there's going to be one that's going to come, and the one that's going to come is going to bring God's shalom, God's peace on earth. He is going to be God's warrior. He has finally come to Bethlehem as promised 700 years after Isaiah said he would. No wonder the angels sang. No wonder it was a proclamation saying glory to God and peace, shalom, peace. On earth. Why? Because of the promise that the Messiah has come. That is what Jesus was promised. That's what Christmas points to. Well, how about the procurement of peace? How did Jesus procure peace, or did he? And maybe again, we want to say about health care. I mean, how, how are we going to get this health care thing done? I mean, what's going to be the procurement of getting health to all Americans? What's going to be that legislation? How is it going to be done? And again, how can it be done in a way that doesn't cost us one penny additionally to our deficit? That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? You skeptical? You skeptical about Jesus being Prince of Peace? I'm telling you, there's part of you that you should be. Because you're sitting there like me and you're just wondering, man, come on, perfect shalom? Perfect peace? Where is it? 
Well, let's talk about the procurement of that piece, okay? Here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the cost. We're going to talk about the source. We're going to talk about the gift. Now, let's start off with talking about the cost. What is the cost? Well, it really cost us nothing to our national debt. What did it cost Jesus? Well, here's the beauty of Christmas. Here's the beauty, that amazing reality of Christmas, is that Jesus entered our turmoil to give us his peace. That's Christmas. God incarnate in our turmoil to give us God's peace. What did it cost him? It cost him everything. I mean, to enter our turmoil certainly cost us everything. I'm going to uh, uh, refer to quite a few scripture passages if you want to follow along or keep notes in your bulletin. Um, what did it cost Jesus? Let's look at Colossians 1, 20 through 20, 22. And through him, Jesus, to reconcile himself to himself all things. Now, this cost of peace and this cost of shalom, by the way, isn't just your life and my life. It's first and foremost for the family. But you ready for this? It's for the cosmos. God says that he's come in his son to reconcile all things in heaven and earth. I mean, this is, this is a, a cataclysmic event that's never been seen or heard of. That all things are going to be reconciled to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Peace, shalom. What did it cost you, Jesus? It cost you the cross. It cost you your blood. And you and I, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled, listen to this, how he does this, in His body of flesh. I mean, God had to come incarnate. There had to be a baby, a a human that would go to the cross because in his flesh, he is going to absorb God's wrath. He is going to be broken so that we can be healed in his flesh by his death in order to present you and me holy and blameless above reproach before him. Wow, what did it cost Jesus to secure our peace? His life, his everything, his blood. He entered into our weakness so that we could enter into his glory. I love what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4, that we have a high priest who's been tempted in every way, yet without sin, so he sympathizes with us. Hebrews 2 tells us that He is the perfect sacrifice because, again, He experienced our pain and our brokenness. Listen, Christmas is a celebration if you are broken and sad even this morning of the reality that God entered into your brokenness, into your darkness, to the point of the cross. What did it cost Jesus for shalom and peace? It cost Him His life. I mean, yeah, he gave up his throne. Yeah, he took on humanity. Yeah, he had to walk along this earth and and walk with disciples who didn't get it and live with the constant bombardment of humiliation of this earth. I mean, that's an amazing story, but there's more to Christmas. It cost him his life. Jesus experienced the death and anguish. That's the cost of peace. You want to know what peace costs? It cost him hanging on that tree and being separated from his father for the first time in eternity, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He forsakes the sons so that he can make us sons. Do you get it? 
He turns his back on Jesus so he can have peace with us in the midst of all of our brokenness. Is that good news of great joy? Man, is that good stuff. Cost him everything. Well, not only the cost of our peace, let's look at the source of our peace. Ephesians 2.14 wants to make it very, very clear. I mean, who's the source of our health care? What's, what's that one source? Is there one source? But listen to this shalom, this peace in Ephesians 2.14. It says this, and we preached through Ephesians this last year. For he himself, Christ, ready for this? Christ Jesus is our peace. Who has made us both one has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. What is the source of our peace? And whose hands is it in? It's in Jesus' hands. And his hands alone. We'll find it nowhere else. I recently saw a bumper sticker. Loved it. It said this. Jesus loves you. But he loves me more. I'm his favorite. For an egomaniac like me, I, I wanted to scrape that off. I said, no, no, it should be mine. What does that have to do with my sermon? Nothing. But I wanted to tell you about it because I wanted to tell you about this next bumper sticker. And it's a little bit of those cheesy, corny Christian cornball stuff, but it, it works. It says this. No Jesus, K-N-O-W. No peace, K-N-O-W. No Jesus, N-O. No peace. And oh. Listen, that's biblical. I got a friend of mine who's a dear friend. He uh, helps me out. Um, and, and he comes over to my house, and he's been a, a friend of mine for a while, and he's been struggling. He lost his son recently. He celebrated a year, death of his son's tragic, the death of his life, uh, unexpectedly, a young 20-some-odd-year-old boy. And I mean, he's been wrestling with all kinds of religions. I mean, he can talk to me about what the Hindus believe, uh, what the Buddhists believe. He's an amazingly smart guy. And he said, you know, maybe it's time for me to start believing the impossible. Maybe it's time for me to start believing in this Jesus. And then he started to slip a little bit and go into some other, like maybe Zen and different things. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you know with Jesus, it's, there's just not, there's not Jesus and anything. I mean, Jesus came and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and C.S. Lewis was right. He is either a Lord, he is either a liar, or he is a lunatic. But he, if he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no one to the Father except through Jesus, we either bow our knee and say, Jesus Christ is our peace, or we reject him as a lunatic or a liar. He can't have both. And the only way to peace is, is through Jesus Christ who would come out of heaven and bring the Father's peace with us. What's the source of peace? The source of peace alone, alone is Jesus. And let me tell you what this Jesus has done. He's come into our brokenness. And by nature, we're with enmity with God. By nature, our sin hates a holy God. By nature, we run from God. And this Jesus has come because He loves us, not because of anything He sees in us. He's come and He's taken on our flesh. And He's lived the life that we were supposed to live. And He's died a vicarious death for our sins and our place. And now He comes and He says, I am the source of peace because I am the only one who can remove the enmity that exists between you and a holy God. I'm the only one. And I can remove that enmity and I'm going to replace it, you ready for this? With friendship. 
I'm going to replace it. No, no, no. I'm going to do better than just friendship. I'm going to replace the enmity that exists between a holy God and sinful people. I'm going to be the source of peace. I'm going to replace it with sonship. I'm going to make you my sons and my daughters and everything that is rightfully mine, Jesus says, as the only begotten Son of God. Everything that is rightfully His as God Himself. Everything that is rightfully His that He earned as the obedient Son of Man and Son of God. Everything that He has given or has received through His obedience, He says, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. My family. I'm going to remove your guilt. I'm going to remove the stain. I'm going to remove the enmity. I'm going to replace it with friendship. No, I'm going to replace it with sonship and adoption. I'm going to love you with an everlasting love. The only source of peace is Jesus. And now in His sight, those who by nature are with enmity with God, those by nature who have rags for righteousness, are beautiful. Radiant. This is true because Jesus is our peace. We now have a vertical peace with God, uh, the Father. Listen, listen to this peace that has come. A vertical peace. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith in Christ, we, sinners like us, have peace with God, who through our Lord Jesus Christ... Do you want peace? The only peace you'll ever be able to experience in life starts with your Creator. And Jesus comes as I am the only source of peace. And through me, this gift I give you that you receive by faith, we have peace with God. Not only that, we have a vertical peace, we have a horizontal peace with one another. And I love what Paul says in Galatians 3.28. He says, those of us who are in Christ Jesus, listen, there is no Greek, there is no Jew, there's no female, there's no fa- uh, male, there's no slave or free. Because why? Because we are all one in Christ Jesus. There's a vertical peace that should be reigning in this church in the body of Christ because we are one in Christ Jesus. The walls of hostility, Ephesians 2 says, have been crumbled in the body of Christ Jesus. That's why we pass the peace, to remind one another that reality. That's why we need to live in peace, as Jesus is a source of peace. And maybe the most important for each one of us is this. There's now an eternal peace. An eternal peace that should reign and rule in our bodies in Christ Jesus, that you really are forgiven If Jesus can forgive you, if the Father can forgive you in Jesus' name, how come you can't forgive yourself? If Jesus really has washed away all of your sins, how in the world can Satan keep beating us up? Because listen, Romans 8, 1 is true. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. None. Do you know we're free in Christ? Do you know that? Do you know we really are robed in His righteousness? Do you know that God is no longer angry with us? Do you know that we don't have to be angry with ourselves anymore? I know you're a mess. I am too. I know you're broken. I am too. I know you have some sins that keep tripping you up. I do too. But the good news of Christ Jesus is He is the source of our peace. And the Gospel should penetrate every pore of that reality. That we should be okay with who we are. Because we're beloved. Yes, we're broken. 
This is, this is, this is where this sermon is really going to take some traction because listen to this. Not only is he the did he pay the cost and he's the source. Ready for this? The gracious gift of his peace he gives to us. The gracious gift of his peace. John 14, 22 says this, 27. Listen to what he tells his disciples and he tells us. Listen to this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled or let them be afraid. You know what health policy I want? President Obama's. Give me your, give me your health package, President Obama, and I will be happy. Because what, so what does he have? He has access to the greatest doctors in the States, and rightfully so. He's our president. I mean, how much is he putting out of his pocket? Is he wondering, okay, I wonder what my deductible will be for this trip to the doctor's. I wonder if I can afford, what's my maximum here on this insurance here? Jesus says, listen to this, listen to this. My peace. My peace that eternally reigns between the Father, Son, and Spirit. My peace. My shalom. I give to you. It's my children. Why? Because he says that my blood is your blood. We're one. And it really has been shed for your sins. That you really are justified in the Father's sight in Christ. Why? Because he says, my righteousness is your righteousness. My standing before God. Listen to what Jesus says. My standing before God is your standing before God. That my peace is yours. And I'm telling you, I read a sermon on this by Jonathan Edwards in the 1700s. And I read it and I preach this to you every week. And it was like, I never read it before. I never heard it before. And I started to realize once again for the first time that Jesus is my peace. He is my standing. He really has paid the price. I really am accepted in the beloved. And my soul just took wings and I flew. I said, my goodness, I could love myself. My goodness, I could love my neighbor. And oh, do I love my God. Because his peace he gives to us. Is there any better news of great joy? Is there anything better than that? The pretense of peace. And what I here just want to say with the pretense of peace quickly is this, is that uh, Tim Tebow recently wrote on his... On his uh, um, Black things there, those eye thingamabobs. Um, John sixteen thirty three, and it's an interesting passage. John sixteen thirty three, it says this. Uh, by the way, I was in a Christian bookstore yesterday. I shouldn't say this. I, I, I was I was looking for a devotional. Do you know that there's a devotional that says a year's devotional for the avid Gator fan? There's something wrong with that. I'm just telling you right now. I'm sure that thing's filled with heresy. I don't know how, but I'm just telling you. I mean, if anybody needs devotion, it's Florida State fans. I mean, come on. <laughs> John 16, says this. I've said these things to you, Jesus says, that in me you may have peace. Listen, he tells us all these things because the Prince of Peace has come. And he's saying, in me, I'm the source of peace. I've paid the cost of peace. And here's what he says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, 
I've overcome the world. You see, Jesus says this. He says, the Prince of Peace has come and peace is ours today, but it's not all. We're still in warfare. In this world, you'll have tribulation. Are you having it? I know you are. In this world, you'll have heartache. Have you had it? I know you have. In this world, you'll have struggle. Are you struggling? I know, I know, and so does he. So what the heck we want to say, you know, is it a pretense of peace? we got to fake it till we make it? Is it really peace? I mean, U2 sings a great song called Peace on Earth. It's uh, basically uh, Bono saying the words peace on earth are stuck in my throat. I can't say it. Because there's too many mothers that have buried their sons. There's too much agony. Jesus, can you throw a man a line? A little peace on earth. The reality of where we live and how do we make this work? I mean, I heard the bells on Christmas Eve. They seem mocking. They seem to mock this Prince of Peace's arrival. How do we do it? Well, we've got to understand this. Jesus' coming in Christmas is the beginning of peace. It's the beginning. It's the start. And it starts with our hearts being united to the Father. And it's real, is it not? Do you know that peace? Those of you who are his children, you know that peace. Sometimes it slips away. But it's the beginning And what he's given us, he's given us this amazing deposit for our peace. Romans 13, Romans 13, I'm sorry, 15, 13 says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. What does that mean? It means this. Jesus Christ has come as the Prince of Peace. He has secured our victory for us. He triumphed over sin and death and that tomb was empty and we now have had the enmity between sinful man and a holy God removed. We are His and He has said, I'm going to come back for you. I'm going to come back, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you hope and I'm going to give you hope in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a deposit. I'm going to give you a gift. It's going to be guaranteeing that there's more peace to come. The shalom of God that will reign in heaven and earth will come one day, but it's not today. But he says, I'm going to give you this Holy Spirit so you have hope that a day's coming. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. A day's coming. And we have this deposit of the Holy Spirit that points to the hope that is ours in Christ Jesus. It's the fruit of peace. Galatians 5, 22, the Holy Spirit is said to come. It's, it's, it's love, joy, peace. The only way we have it is through Christ Jesus, and there's more to come. Is there a pretense of peace? We have to fake it? No. But the reality is this. Jesus has come once, and He's coming again. And He comes again. Listen, no more tears. No more death. No more sorrow. No more just brokenness. But until he does, he says, I am the Prince of Peace today. And it is real today. I love you. And I provided for you a comforter in the Holy Spirit. The power of peace. The power of peace now. It's just supposed to be peace for our minds. Philippians 4, 7 says the peace of Christ passes understanding. Have you had that experience? You've heard, yes, you do have cancer. But the peace of Christ passes understanding. When life shows to us its brokenness and the fangs of its sin and death and decay, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and says, but I have a gift for you. 
a gift to guard your minds. That I am king and I'm good. And there is peace that passes understanding. The power of that peace. The power of the peace of God to guard our hearts. Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15 says that, uh, that Christ will guard our hearts. Listen, this peace of God, He knows that we are in turmoil. And He doesn't want us to lose hope. And He says, the peace that I'm going to give you is going to be greater than even understanding all your circumstances. And it will guard your heart. Listen, for those of you who are without peace, for those of you who are wrestling in turmoil, run to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and say, God, give me that peace that passes understanding because I've lost my job. Give me that peace that passes understanding because I can't make ends meet. Give me that peace that passes understanding because my marriage has crumbled. Give me that peace that passes understanding because I just don't like myself. Guard my heart because it wanders and I'm broken. That's the power of peace in Christ Jesus. And now lastly is the proclamation of peace. Listen, angels had to come the first time. The Prince of Peace came and he, he came with... Angels couldn't keep silent. They had to proclaim this amazing good news that Jesus has arrived. Guess who has the privilege now of proclaiming that reality and uh, that arrival? It's us. We're his ambassadors. We're the ambassadors of peace. God says this, I'm going to reconcile a bunch of sinners like you to myself through Christ. I'm going to no longer have enmity with you. And I'm going to give you now a ministry of reconciliation. Go and tell it on a mountain. Go tell it wherever you go that you... A sinner like you and a sinner like me has peace with God. Go tell the reality that we have new life in Christ. Go and tell that the King has come. The Prince of Peace is here and He's coming again. Are you ready? Go and live in peace and proclaim peace. 2 Corinthians 13.11 It's what Peter did at Cornelius' house when the Gentiles were receiving the Holy Spirit. He said, this is the Gospel of the Kingdom Go and proclaim this peace. I guess we'll have to wait and see if the health care bill works, huh? Any skeptics here? Don't wait for the peace of Christ. John Calvin said this, Hell reigns where there's no peace with God. If you don't have peace with God this morning, I think that's That's hell. The offer for you this morning is the Prince of Peace named Jesus, who's the only source, who's the only one who paid the cost to remove that enmity, to take away that war with God and give you peace. Do you know it? If not, bow your knee to Him and say, God, give me the gift of faith to believe in this Prince of Peace because I'm a mess. Come and fill my heart with joy. For those of you who this message resonates with because of the reality that you are His child, here's the deal. Go tell on the mountain. Your life should be going telling the reality that the Prince of Peace is there. Love your Savior and all that He has done for you. Jesus has come. Is that good news? God's people said, Amen. Amen. Jack, I didn't give you a chance to uh, come up here. So let me, let me pray. Let's, uh, I'm going to end this officially in prayer so the worship team can come up and, and uh, um, lead us and go tell him out. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that when Isaiah talked about your birth 700 years before your arrival, he didn't just use hyperbole. 
inspired by the Holy Spirit, He said some amazing things about you, Jesus. You'd be the wonderful Counselor. You'd be the mighty God. You'd be the everlasting Father. And you would be our Prince of Peace. Come and reign in this church. Bring us your grace and your love and your peace so that we can go and proclaim it with our lives. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.